0: This is Psychics and Psychos, a metaphysical true crime analysis with your host, psychic astrologer Denise Siegel, and intuitive card reader Helen from Irish Granny Tarot. They use psychic abilities, tarot, and astrology to get a deeper understanding of the spiritual and psychological motivations of murder and the true crimes we all know. Welcome to Psychics and Psychos. I'm Denise Siegel, the Psychic Astrologer, and I am presenting Helen from Irish Granny Tarot, the intuitive,
1: the wonderful, the brilliant Helen. Thank you, Denise. Likewise, I'm sure. Uh, this is our uh, metaphysical true crime analysis. And who are we doing today, Denise? Do you remember? Russell Williams. Yes. Colonel David was his first name, but I didn't tell you that David Russell Williams. He went by Russell. So let's just dive into it. And I feel I kind of mentioned this to Denise. I feel like before I start, I want to put a caveat on this. Um, We're going to get to a point where there are some descriptions of what could be described as cross-dressing, but it's in a situation of psychopathology and it's by no means intended as a criticism or a judgment. I have, I don't care. You know what I mean? But this guy is nuttier than a fruitcake. And I would recommend if you want to see to what I refer, just Google and look at the images and it's going to blow your mind. So let's get into it, the details and you'll understand. Can Can I say one thing about that? Sure. Sure.
0: What, The cross-dressing is not, has nothing to do like that. That's his psych, you know, that is right. I just want to make the point that cross-dressing in itself, there's nothing wrong with it. Obviously. Yeah. This is just sort of like an, this is a layer of his, um, uh, this is a layer of psychological uh, detritus on top of like how he copes with his psychopathology. So, yeah. It's not people who process that it doesn't, it's, it has no. By
1: no means any intersection. So no, in this, in this case, uh, according yeah. to my professional judgment, <laughs> he, he is, uh, acting out, uh, very damaging paraphilia. Paraphilias can be right. fine, but when it becomes a problem, it's really a problem. And this is a damaging paraphilia that is actually, I believe a, um, a sign of his desire for control and power, but we'll get into it. And I, I before I began, I did a lot of uh, reading. I followed this really closely. I've watched a lot of the crime documentaries and specials. I also had Canadian television. So that was interesting to see it on Canadian mm-hmm. TV. But one of my favorite sources was a thesis that I found online from a guy called Martin Williams from 2020. He is was, anyway, a student working on a, a Bachelor of Arts in Criminology at St. Mary's University, St. Mary's College in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And he did a fabulous, fabulous review of it. And I took a lot from that, too. So Colonel David Russell Williams, born March 7th, 1963, and he was born in the Midlands of England. His family immigrated to Canada to a place called Chalk River in Ontario because his father was a metallurgist and there were laboratories at Chalk River that were part of the Canadian nuclear research programs. So this was described as a very close community with a culture of, <laughs> quote unquote, relaxed conventions. Uh, I believe that they were uh, wife swapping is what it used to be called. I see. Yeah. And his parents began swapping partners with a family called the Sofkas who were close family friends, very close family friends. And it culminated sadly in divorce for both couples and they remarried usually the does other, the other person. Oh wow. Well that's yeah.
0: interesting.
1: Very interesting. And this all happened when Russell was 6. I do believe this was formative for him, a mm-hmm. formative trauma. His mother married Dr. Sofka. And uh, they changed Russell's name to uh, Williams, from Williams to Sofka, gave him the last name. They moved to Scarborough, home of our last favorite psycho, Paul Bernardo. So they moved to Scarborough outside Toronto. And people who knew them described the family as fractious and distant. So they fought or they sulked is kind of the feeling I got. Williams Mm. refused to talk about them. And in fact, when he was in college and people sat around and chatted, he aggressively refused to talk about his family. Uh, He attended Sir Wilfrid Laurier Collegiate Institute, and then he went to the University of Toronto. And he was there at the same time or just slightly before Paul Bernardo, Again, their paths crossed, and they knew each other. They studied economics together. This was investigated by the police later, but there was no evidence of a criminal association at the time they were students. One of the features of his relationships in university was that he really liked to prank his roommates by scaring the daylights out of them he would hide in their closets they would come home and sit down and start to study he'd hide for like an hour totally silent and then jump out and just about give them an mi they Hmm. called him obsessive neat controlling extremely bossy and a social snob Hmm. he actually picked locks To get into the bedrooms that were locked of his roommate so that's an interesting little detail Uh, like many offenders with a similar later diagnosis Williams sought out any kind of a job that would give him control over others and provide mobility
0: he mm-hmm. applied
1: at the end of college he applied to the RCMP the Royal Canadian Mounted Police you know the mounties mm-hmm. and he also applied to the air force and he was so obsessed with top gun he people thought that he was trying to live out that movie and he did join the air force he, and immediately dropped the sovka name retook the williams name so very quickly in 1990 he got his wings in 94 he had Uh, been elevated to a position where he was flying VIPs, foreign dignitaries, government officials, the Queen of England. In 1999, he was made major. In 2004, he got a master's of defense studies degree from the Royal Military College and became a lieutenant colonel. They made him the commander of the transport squadron at the Canadian Forces Base in Trenton, Ontario, in 2005 to 2006, he also at parallel was the commander of Camp Mirage, which was a secret facility that supported and supplied Canadian troops in Dubai, United Arab Emirates. So he got a, a string of increasingly more important jobs. He became fluent in French. He took an intensive military French language course in 2007 he started having back issues, which were caused by arthritis, and he was put on several medications. And as a result, he almost had his career derailed. But for some reason, he went on the mend and he got better from that. And there's no details about that. This happened in 2007. And coincidentally, in 2007, his known crimes Began so the question asked later is was this triggered by a loss of self esteem and control? So we'll get to that. Hmm. In two thousand and nine, he seems to be recovered enough. He's made wing commander of the Canadian Forces base in Trenton, and this is Can, can I almost said Canada? <laughs> Sorry, Canada's <laughs> biggest um, military air base, the hub of their overseas ops. And this was uh, the pinnacle of a 23-year model career. He was the model of the great Canadian soldier. And meantime, his crimes were escalating from simple breaking and entering to rape, to murder. And they included... um, obsessive amount of photography, starting with the breaking and entering, he would break in, he would pose himself in the underwear of the women of the house, and photograph himself in their house in their underwear, which was pretty gutsy, right. And then eventually he did also photograph his victims. So this all culminated, and we'll get a little bit more detail in a minute, but this all culminated in the crime that got him, that they were able to identify him and arrest him. In January of 2010, Jessica Lloyd, 27, disappeared from her home in Belleville, Ontario. Now this house was off the road, recessed back off the road by a field, but uh, was visible from the main road that Russell Williams traveled every day back and forth from the base. So the cops quickly figured out this is a main uh, thoroughfare. There are a lot of men at the base. Maybe one of them dated her. They had no idea. They couldn't find her. So they set up a roadblock and they inspected every single car that went by. And what nobody knew was that the day that she disappeared, it had snowed and they found tire tracks behind her house. Hmm. And so they inspected every single car that went through. They inspected the tires and apparently they were quite unique and they were able to match them to William's car. So on February 7th, 2010, he was called in to give an interview by to the Ottawa police. And he went in pretty arrogant, uh, you know, thinking that because he was in charge of the base, because they were looking possibly at soldiers, that was why he was called in. I don't think he suspected that he was a suspect. And Mm -hmm. this is all on YouTube. They did a five hour epic interview and the real, uh, crux of the interview when they finally, uh, accuse him and it eventually comes out, you know, he admits it, this is on YouTube and it is taught in interrogation classes all over the country, all over the United States, because it's the epitome of, of a perfect interview. It's really interesting to watch this cop corner, this really arrogant military, you know, tough guy. Wow. So anyway, after a five hour interview, he confessed and they ended up doing a, a total of 10 hours. He admitted to dozens of crimes. They began, as I mentioned, with what they call fetish burglaries. And this is a, a paraphilia sure. yeah. that's motivated by breaking and entering and they get some sort of a, a thrill from Um, the domination and power and control of being in someone else's private place. And then, of course, it involved wearing women's underwear. He stole underwear. He stole 186 pieces from one house. And you'll forgive me for saying this, but he masturbated often while he was in the house in their underwear and did it in such a way as there was no doubt that that's what had been up when the people came home. So he accumulated such a huge collection of these uh souvenirs that he had to bury them I mean I'm sorry burn them in a field and he had to do it twice and then he started over again on number 3 and when they finally arrested him they collected 1366 pieces of women's underwear So these breakings and enterings and rapes were all around. He had a a cottage and then they had their main house. He was married, no children. And the cottage was around a lake. And so it was this very cohesive little community in a circle around the perimeter of the lake. And when you see a map of all these crimes, these breaking and enterings and eventually rapes, uh, almost every single house in this community he got into. Yeah, he had two hundred. I'm sorry, two thousand nine hundred and thirty seven photos of his crimes in process and of Hmm. himself posing in their underwear. And you can see that on the Internet. Uh, He made videos of the rapes and eventually um, he made videos of the murders because he killed more than one person. He did lead the police to uh, Lloyd's body where he had dumped her he had, and, and where he dumped her is significant we'll get to that he admitted to killing as well Marie-France Como 37 years old who was a corporal at his base who was a flight attendant for the military and had flown with him so he knew her hmm. he broke into her house once he took pictures of himself in her underwear Then he came back a second time and hid in the basement, lying in wait for her to come home. She came home, but things went awry because she had a cat and the cat knew he was in the basement. The cat went down to the basement and was mewing and carrying on and freaking out where he was hiding. And she came downstairs to get the cat. Like, what's wrong with you, kitty? You know, and he jumped out and then. Things went terribly wrong. He raped her and eventually killed her. Um, The cops Canada wide began looking at him for a whole lot of other crimes in all the different places where he'd been stationed. And they found 48 more cases of breaking and entering and underwear theft. Wow. In his home, he had this huge collection of underwear. It was stored, it was folded and cataloged and then carefully concealed. The cops also were able to match his boot print at Jessica's home in the snow. So they have a lot of physical evidence against him. In April of 2010, um, oh, I should say that I'm going to mention suicide. So if you want to skip a couple of seconds, he tried to kill himself by, this is so, Incredible. He stuffed a cardboard toilet paper roll full of aluminum foil. He's tried to stuff it down his throat. That's insane. Well, yeah, because, you know, he is. And before he uh, did that, he wrote his last will and testament with letters to people on the walls with mustard, using his fingers to write. So he pleaded guilty to all the charges. And in court, In the process of this plea deal, more crimes were revealed. The first place he uh, broke into was the home of a 12-year-old. And he left a message on her computer in French, merci, thank you. Uh, The first rape he committed was against a woman who had an eight-week-old baby in the bed beside her. And he broke into her house a total of three times. He's at, including once after the rape, he stole underwear from girls as young as nine years old. He had multiple child, uh, sexual abuse images on his computer. Hmm. He stole pictures of people's passports, their family portraits, various academic certificates were on their walls. He broke into one house nine times. Um, Let's see here. I can't read my handwriting between 2007 and 2009, when he committed his first murder, he did 82 fetish related home invasions where he took pictures, donned underwear or masturbated. He kept detailed logs of all of his crimes with pictures. He left messages on more than one person's computer and he had thousands of pictures when they arrested him. He got two concurrent life sentences for murders. Uh, and technically in Canada, he's eligible for parole after 25 years, but you know. And he was also given more time for the rapes and the breaking and entering. He was expelled. Now, this is this is an interesting little tidbit. He was expelled from the armed surfaces after 23 year career. He was stripped of his rank and his decorations. He was put through the process of military degradation. Do you remember the old, you might be too young for this. Remember the old TV show Branded with Chuck Connors? No. Took place in you know when they were opening the west westward expansion, I, I believe after the Civil War, and he was uh, had been a Union soldier. He was in the American Army, a cavalry officer, and he was accused of something he didn't do, but he was kicked out, and and he went through this process of military degradation. He was actually physically present at the time. Now Russell Williams was in prison when this was done about him but in the tv show it was done to him he stood there while they ripped the insignia off his uniforms and cut Mm -hmm. them up so for williams the degradation was his uniforms were burned all of the medals he'd earned were cut up this is related to a process in the british army called cashiering which is a ritual dismissal um it comes from a word from the lowlands in the 16th century, caserere. People think it means like they're giving you your final paycheck, but no, it comes from this uh, word from the lowlands, which would be Netherlands, Belgium. So he was allowed to keep his $60,000 a year pension Pension. simply because uh, it would have taken an act of parliament to revoke it. They also took his, get this, they took his car and crushed it and gave it to scrap metal. Yeah. Wow. he was married uh, in 1991. He and his wife were married. Her name was uh, Mary Elizabeth Harriman. And she was the associate director of the Canadian Heart and Stroke Foundation. Wow. So he could get away with a lot of these crimes because she was gone quite a bit. And she didn't know that he was, you know, stalking the neighbors. But in 2010, in December, so shortly after, you know, within a year, within the year of him being arrested, she was divorced from him. So there are any number of uh really good things on television and the internet that you can watch. The Fifth Estate, which is a Canadian um kind of a news program, they did a thing called the Confession, which shows the confession in detail. 48 hours did a good coverage on it. Dateline, August 13th, 2015, did an episode called Conduct Unbecoming. And then I Survived, one of his victims did an episode of that. There's a Dutch documentary called Fatum, F-A-T-U-M, Room 216, which is about his 10-hour interrogation. So he's been described by other professionals besides me, (laughs) as a sexual sadist, someone Mm -hmm. who derives sexual pleasure from the humiliation and fear, the wounding or destroying of another person. Uh, Sexual sadists are uh, often into bondage. Um, They want complete mastery. That doesn't mean everyone into bondage is a sexual sadist. I have to make that distinction. But sexual sadists often are into bondage. They like complete mastery over other people. And it's all fantasy driven. They're living in their heads. And there's a theory about this guy that uh, it's either neuro development or hormonal biological propensities during embryonic development or babyhood that mm. creates a situation where you, of hypersexuality, which becomes paraphilia. And then uh, okay. All of it is unbound by an adverse environment, so it's nature and nurture. All the things you're saying are things that are very obvious in this chart, actually. Oh, goody, goody. Well, it's de- developmental, or, and abuse is a or situational trigger. So, a a child who cannot escape trauma, like for example, his parents' overt sexual acting out. His mother used to give. The family friend, very suggestive massages on the living room floor in front of both families. Um, the divorce happening at a pivotal time, the name change, all of these things were blows to his ego and self, sense of self-worth. He would have escaped into fantasy as a child and it became a world of domination and control. A lot of anger there too. So as the mm. kid becomes a teenager, these sorts of things escalate into increased violence. And this is all theory. And it's often related to a loss of self-esteem as, uh, for example, the threat to his career, when he hurt his back, that's when his crimes really took, took off. off. Yeah. In the end.
0: Wow. Well, that's just crazy because all that, that, that you were sort of saying were, were things that, I mean, were, I was going to point to in his chart, um, so I will go ahead and do that. I'll yeah, go for it. I'm, I'm eager to see this. Um, this is just unbelievable. I think in that way, let me get, I got to get you back so I can share my screen here and I can't seem to do that. Oh, um, hold on. Here we go. So let me share my screen. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, yeah, I was going to
1: say this is podcast gold, but
0: didn't you yeah, show but, us, uh, yeah.
1: Horoscope. Yeah, and you can see it on YouTube. You
0: yeah. can see it. If you can't see it, I'm going to describe it. So, as you don't have to see it, but you can, if you're interested, look on YouTube and and see that, uh, see the chart. So here's the deal. Okay, here's a guy, who I'm going to go into. Uh, there's there's he has multifaceted issues here, which is I think why it presented later in life and why he's was able to sort of keep his shit together for a while. He's got the sun Jupiter conjunction Pisces. So here's somebody who you know, is very hyper emotional and also prone to fantasy and not being kind of uh in his in reality, um somebody who is kind of impressionable. And the Neptune ruler in Scorpio is someone who is this propensity towards things that he can't have. Things that you can't see, you know, places and people that, you know, secret things like your underwear, sex and hidden, all this hidden kind of and darkness and death and all that stuff. He naturally tends towards going that direction, going dark. And it's very extreme. This is probably something, you know, this is something he came in with. Now, he's got a Pluto opposition to his son, which means he's very controlling. And this, all this Virgo opposition to this Pisces would make him very uptight, very controlling. Somebody who everything has to be just so in his way, you know, very critical. And somebody who's very anxious by nature, too, with the Uranus series Pluto. So everything has to be in order or he has anxiety. He trips out stuff. He's got a Saturn-Mercury conjunction, a saturn is opposing his moon and the Mars there. So this is the hypersexuality that his family portrayed, his Mars, moon, and Leo. Mother is hypersexual. Father is hypersexual. He grows up in this hypersexual environment, which inappropriately so, the parents are very self-absorbed, all about Leo. And the Saturn opposition in Aquarius, the kids are neglected. He has a neglect signature. It's part of this grand square here. So Saturn screened Neptune, screened the moon. He also, as a response to his parents' oversexuality and his neglect, there's a harshness to him that develops. There's this kind of like judgment that you talked about a little bit, and that's part of the South Node Venus conjunction, which this is another aspect to his personality. It's this really where the the deep, dark, really kind of sick behavior comes from, is and this and the nodal stuff here. But the Saturn Mercury you know, the Saturn in Aquarius opposing the 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 moon squaring the Neptune, his harshness, his kind of, you know, nobody's, you know, everybody has to, be, he had the upwardly mobile and nobody's quite good enough for him and uh the, the need to control. And that was his response to being kind of um, neglected, not seen, not cared about. His parents did what they wanted. He's an afterthought. So he's got this, part of him as a child that would have blamed himself or felt neglected or felt like he wasn't of any worth or value to his parents, that they wasn't important. And as a result, he's kind of really harsh and kind of judgmental of others. Now he probably doesn't fully, we don't know his time of birth. And in this solar chart, it's in his 12th house. So he doesn't understand it himself. He's not fully conscious of this. He's not a stupid guy. you has got Mercury and Aquarius. He's pretty smart. Um, so he's able to kind of get away with a lot of stuff and kind of trick his way into different situations. Now, here's where we get into the really weird kind of behaviors with the Venus and the South node conjunction mm. on the nodes and the North node conjunct the Mercury and the Mars out of sign. Both of the, these things are out of sign. So the South node in Capricorn with Venus on it and Aquarius, this is the sort of, Perversion, I guess you could say, and the control and the need to be in power and to sort of sublimate or be some sort of um now we Pluto, the Pluto opposition is the control thing and the power dynamic stuff that he was, he needed to always feel like he was in power or he was in control. But Capricorn, that Capricorn energy is more like the bondage and discipline. It's more like, you know, the harshness and control on the level of like you. Boundaries and judgments and rules and pecking orders and stuff like this. And Venus in Aquarius, there is, you know, he likes weird shit. He likes strange, he doesn't, he likes a sort of the, he, he probably, what he was getting off on is being sort of unseen in that situation, unseen and able to control. Without any, he probably, the paraphilia thing, I would bet you if you went back into his history, I bet you that started a lot earlier than they know. I mean. Yeah,
1: yeah as a kid.
0: I, I, I think this is something that, you know, gave him a sense. This is something that comes from a past life, even. Unusual relationships, you know, not like feeling loved. And the only way to feel loved is to to sort of take the control and to dominate. Um then he's got the North Node with this Mars, you know, make make and exaggerates it. So the North Node in Cancer, never feeling nurtured or loved from his childhood, and um, Mars right on this, and and Orcus not far. Mars and the Moon. So the behavior of the parents and the selfishness and kind of the oversexuality, because that Mars Moon is like hypersexual too, and just always, you know, following your lust and your passion and not really, um, you know, just probably not only were they lusty and, you know, oversexed, but I would imagine they were hyper dramatic. It was probably like a shit show in the house all the time, hyper dramatic fighting, you know, just Very up and down and all over the place. Well,
1: that's how it was described, as fractious, which would be the fighting, and then distant, which would be emotionally unavailable. And that's the Aquarius,
0: right? And so all of this square is the ruler of his son, Neptune and Scorpio. So all of this neglect and hypersexuality all get sort of, you know, squeezes and puts pressure on the Neptune and Scorpio, that sort of fantasy part of him and part of him that wants to check out or not be present. But the fantasy part, which is the ruler, is in Pluto and Virgo and Scorpio, for a long time was mitigated through his control in his work, because he's got all these planets in Virgo opposing that stuff in Pisces. As long as he was productive and he was doing something in the world and he was successful, and he was you know, able to sort of channel all of this like crazy energy into just being like a workaholic and feeling in control and being a boss, that kind of kept some of these insane kind of, all this really turbulent energy focused on something kind of productive. So when he had his health problem, which is interesting that in his solar chart, it's all here in, the, in Uranus is there in the sixth house too. That yeah. disruption with his uh, health is the thing that kind of set him into this course of unleashing all of this anxiety and all of these suppressed feelings. And probably that's the thing that took him out of just this paraphilia kind of action, you know, that was probably going on long before he started doing the crime part, and then the need to control and to dominate became so overwhelming, I think. And actually when all this, when he got caught, he had, um, I was looking at that. There was a bunch of stuff on the notes. So he came in with a very shadowy, dark kind of, um, I think it was February 7th when he was interrogated, you said
1: 2010?
0: 2010, 2010 um, February, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's got Pluto on the node. He's got the nodal return. Mercury's right on that south node. So all this stuff is sort of, and he's got Uranus right on the Jupiter too, um, which means a turn in his luck. Jupiter, of course, rules your, um, your luck. And, and also he's able to get away with this shit for a long time, you know, because he has, he can be affable and probably appear in a certain way. Now the other oh thing there's is, there's
1: video there's video of him the day after he killed one of those young women. He was interviewed on television in in under the auspices of his job, his position, and uh, butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. Wow,
0: what does that mean melt? I don't know
1: oh, just not heated up, not agitated, not anxious, very cool, and collected right,
0: right. Well, that makes sense um. So the other ruler, so I'm exploring this idea that Sedna is another ruler, a, a sort of a shadow ruler of Pisces. And in his case, it's in Aries opposing Ixion. Okay, so these are four planets. Sedna and Aries would be all of the, in all the military stuff that kind of, you know, he got involved in the military. That was his outlet. He also has the Mars moon. So that hyper-masculine helped him to kind of feel like he was mitigating all these weird sexual urges that came from sort of bleeding through in past lives because what he really probably wanted was unusual relationship kind of stuff, stuff, kinky, weird, kind of unusual sorts of, you know, bondage, discipline, all that. I don't know if he was getting that in his marriage. He probably wasn't. I would, I bet you. And that's why he was acting it out. Um, um, So, he probably wasn't getting fixated. This wasn't getting, you know, this wasn't getting dealt with. So um, Sedna is the Aries. Ixion is a psychopath. Um, Ixion is uh, in Greek lore was um, basically the first psychopath. He murdered his father-in-law and tried to rape the wife of Jupiter, uh, uh, well, uh, 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 Zeus, Deuce, yeah. And was uh, thrown into the fiery wheel of, of like eternal damnation for his acts. And so he's, a, he's the first psychopath in, in, like that you can think of in mythology. A king who, who was uh, out, out of control of his power. Which is another, another theme in this guy's, all this Leo. This sense of privilege that he is better than everyone else. That somehow he has the right to do all this stuff that he is, he's got this sense of entitlement and um, it's at war with this, he's got this kind of double arm thing where he's got this sense of entitlement. He feels like he has a right to act out and do all, whatever he wants and be in control and, pa- and power over other people because he's also very judgmental. He, everyone else is below him, but it comes from a place of being wounded and feeling like he's invisible.
1: And that nobody really yeah. loves him. And and part of it is, I believe, role modeling. Think about uh, the description of the community that his family lived in. These were elite scientists and oh, really? working on okay. the cutting edge nuclear research programs. So I'm sure there was a, a degree of intellectual arrogance, a feeling oh, of yeah. separateness from the, the hoi polloi. you know. <laughs> well, that Saturn Aquarius would
0: definitely be the father figure being probably very brilliant. Yeah you know, brilliant scientist. And all this is sort of like, and the hypersexuality of the moon and the indulgence of the family, the moon mother, and and the mother probably being seen as really indulgent and volatile and self-centered and uh, hypersexual and him feeling, you know, like him and his father are, um, you know, neglected and this confusion about, the, the double feelings you have for your mother, you know, with that Neptune square um, and, and just this feeling like you need to control everything and everyone as a result. Now, he has some of these dynamics. Whenever you see this kind of stuff in people's charts, you know, you have to ask yourself, right? This is the chart. This describes what you told me
1: about his life. Which is just bizarre, isn't it? Because we don't consult ahead of time. You had no idea. I, you weren't even sure of his birth date. I've never even. I showed Denise you're... the pictures just before we started recording. <laughs> I don't even know who
0: he is. And so yeah. you're, the crazy thing to me is that it's so obvious his natal chart and everything you're saying. I'm like, well, that's that. That's this that's yeah. configuration. That's this configuration. And then when you were talking about the different time frames, I could see you know, these triggers going on, like when he got caught, he had some stuff um, going on in the son's house when he was. Can I I
1: interrupt you to ask you something that just occurred to me? Because if you were describing this to somebody who was a skeptic, uh, I believe that this might be an argument they would put up. And I'm going to ask you, how likely is it that you go back and you find signatures for behaviors, but they could be ascribed to other things or are they very specific?
0: In his case, no, they're very specific. I mean, even if he didn't go down this path of being this twisted, he would still have tendencies like this, you know, that would be there. That Pluto sun opposition is always issues with power and control and just be,
1: you know, not everybody is going to express it in the way that right. it might it. not manifest exactly the way his life did, but that potential for that kind of need for control is always there and you can recognize it in the chart. Exactly. I mean, in
0: some people's cases, when they have a Pluto conjunction to their son or they have an opposition in this case, he, it's part of a generational signature with Uranus. And usually that creates a sense of anxiety as well. Anxiety combined with a need to control and the anxiety is what drives the need to control. So you know, his anxiety from his childhood drove his need to control everybody and everything. And this kind of being in his own sort of fantasy world about things, that's very Piscean and very up and down. And there's two versions of him. There's the the two fish, but um, in someone else who uh, they may have you know been controlling they may have been a pain in the ass they may have been somebody who had suffered anxiety and control issues but didn't do this kind of stuff they you know they were involved in relationships that were a little unusual that maybe were dark or they themselves were victimized i mean there's other ways that this could manifest right
1: mm-hmm.
0: ever um you know this this kind of hypersexual mars moon conjunction with in part of in the thing with a node, it's like, this is a very shadowy, dark, self-centered, volatile, dramatic family dynamic that he grew up in. And it's part of this grand square. Now, how he dealt with that was his choice. He could have gotten therapy. He Mm -hmm. could have gone and, you know, decided, you know what, I don't want to repeat that. And I'm going to get help, but he didn't. This became a driver in his chart. This became the driver for about the need to control others, the kind of confusion he had about himself. And I would say that even with Venus and Aquarius, there's a tendency in relationships to want to be in unusual relationships or relationships that are not traditional, put it that way. Sometimes it can come across as, you know, could be somebody who's interested in you know, kinky stuff, or it could be somebody who's interested in you know being in same se- same sex, or they're gender fluid, or it's or anything- poly- polyamorous relationships, or not so much that because Aquarius is they don't they're not that fluid,
1: but they might. Be- <laughs> you do realize the irony in that statement, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, I do, they're not that. They're not. They're 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 very fixed. So that'd be more of a Gemini kind of thing, um, but. You know, maybe non-binary, you know, they don't have a gender kind of association mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they are, you know, interested in the same gender as themselves or they do what he did, which is put on, you know, he, want, a part of him was interested in sort of kind of being, you know, the feminine side and everything. And maybe if he could have indulged that in a real relationship, you know, like his partner was into the things he was into. He might not have felt he had to act out in this really dark way. I'm not blaming. him Well, you know,
1: no. I And I kind of have this sense now I'm like, I said, it's been a long time since I got my PhD, you know? but I have the sense that his donning these victims clothing, um, it was not an expression of personal interest like a cross dresser would do. I think was this power. was a symptom of power and control. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't yes, think
0: that no, he could I think it's a combination of things. So it is about okay. How, but I also think there is a part of him that fetishized, you know, the the feminine, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that mm-hmm. he wanted to be himself or be able to explore that.
1: You know, so you what you're what? saying is if he if he had not gone down this dark road, he may have continued to uh, cross dress in private and it would have not been an issue. But because it's connected to these crimes and to his dark fantasies, it becomes a, a, a negative paraphilia, it becomes something really right. dark. Yeah,
0: have I, there's it. a
1: distinction there. Yeah, no, I think if he could
0: have. Well, there's a few things. OK. Also, he has the comp. This the ba- he has a bunch of really negative combinations of things, which push him down this hole. Okay, into this dark thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which I'm sure he struggled with probably his whole life before he acted on it. But um, what I'm trying to say is, you know, it's th- there's a combination of things here that 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 are in- interacting. He has a lot of. There's a part of him with all this. Mutability with all this the sun and Jupiter conjunction in Pisces and Chiron and Pisces and all this Virgo and then he's got all this water that he's very emotional and he's very sensitive and he's kind of hypersensitive he's hyper emotional and he's easily impressionable and he feels out of control all of the time he doesn't feel in control mm-hmm. of his life and so he's he focuses that on this need to control his environment. You know that Virgo thing. I'm going to make everything has to be in order. That, that's probably one of the reasons the military was also something that was very satisfying for him, attractive because, to him. Yeah, yeah. Everything is has its place, and everything is in control.
1: Yeah, and it appeals
0: he, to that rigid, rigid part of his nature. It's it's not so much rigidity as it is a sense that everything has to have its perfect place, or he feels out of control and anxious. Okay. Does that make sense? And this sat, Sedna in Aries being another ruler is, and in and, and all this fire in his chart. So he's almost entirely, So he's got a lot of emotional kind of internal conflicts going on. He felt rejected by the father to some degree. He felt that he was probably, his father was probably kind of cool and aloof. And may have felt like he didn't really connect with him. And he also felt like his mother was into herself and judgmental of him. Didn't really um, love him because of the, and didn't feel loved, felt uh, neglected. And all of this stuff, you know, was happening and rolling around at the same time that he is sort of this, his kind of coping mechanism for feeling overwhelmed was to control everything around him, to control everything, all the things. So that in combination with the shadow stuff from past lives, where there is some kind of bleed through where he was that, you know, his relationships were unusual in past lives with the South node and Venus conjunct. In Capricorn, they were probably power dynamics and things that were out of place Mm -hmm. where he was used to being in relationships. Maybe he was a hooker or something like that in a past life, or, you know, he was, you know, doing sex for money, kind of like a, a sex worker or something with that Venus South node or something like that, where there's some kind of bleed through where there is Your sense of self and money and exchange and sort of using is kind of infused with the coolness of that Venus and Aquarius. And and maybe it was some kind of unusual sex work, like, you know, uh, maybe he was a gay hooker or he was like, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was like a dominatrix or something. He was a dominatrix. I don't know. But there's some kind of fusion with the way love is given and received in a past life that's connected with using and with something dissociated and cool and detached and unusual Mm -hmm. and then you have that in opposition to all this fiery kind of um mars and moon you know the mars opposition there's also violence associated with sex and relationships from past life that's bleeding through and the make make exaggerates it so it's potential he had some kind of you know, violent love relationships that were, again, it could have been, you know, like he had a pimp or he was beaten up or he was sex trafficked or something like that. Or he himself might've been in that position where he was sex tra- I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly. We don't have his exact time of birth. And I don't, This configuration can be a lot of things, but it just shows that there's relationships that are turbulent in past lives, violent and turbulent, and he's invisible and used. past lives and that there is this violence and drama and feeling never loved and feeling like no one really cares about him and no one loves him and he's not Mm -hmm. nurtured that is the bleed through from past lives Mm -hmm. so that in itself would be hard to deal with okay that would be hard to resist and hard to deal with but now you add in this grand square and you in this opposition, all this anxiety and all this psychological tension. And when he, when this coping me- mechanism of the control he had in his work and the power he felt through that, when that started to fall apart, it broke the band that was keeping all the shit in place. Do you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, it, I mean it's it remarkable have, how his chart reflects exactly what happened
0: it is and the thing is i have to say that someone else could have dealt with it differently they could have had all these things and when they went into some kind of loss of control they could have used that pluto energy to go into therapy they could have thought fuck i can't deal i'm having anxiety i'm feeling all these intense feelings i'm going to do something terrible i have to check myself into a hospital and deal with my shit he could have gone that route with that too. Okay, so that is his choice. I just want to be clear on that because your chart is not your fate. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a picture of the things that are going to happen where you get to choose which fate you're going to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree if you with you. Yeah. all these retrograde planets, uh, if you see all this shit is retrograde, excuse my language, you know, that's, he is dragging in tremendous amount of karma from past life into this lifetime, a tremendous burden, and I think that's where the weird paraphilia stuff comes in. Yeah, and the, you know, I mean, it's like he probably didn't even know why he was doing that. You know, yeah. he did not yeah. understand his own. Like you said, there's the element of power and feeling in control that that mm-hmm. put opposition, but mm-hmm. there's something else driving it too. You know, a lot of other people would just take a memento from the person; they wouldn't put their underwear and their panties band- on and their
1: and, and take and take, pi- and take pictures. <laughs> it's just remarkable when you think about the kind of risk associated with that. You know, the other interesting thing
0: is that Pisces bulls photography too. So it's also, oh, isn't interesting. that
1: interesting? That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So are go. you ready for ready for the cards? Sure. Thanks sure. Denise. That's uh, never ceases to amaze me how accurately your life path choices are spelled out in the chart. It's really interesting. Okay, these cards are also really interesting. At the heart of his reading, don't laugh, the king of wands. So you're talking about a person who has the potential to be a leader, who's inspiring and charismatic and look at the job he had, right? Somebody with a lot of energy to cope with a high position of authority, but it's crossed by the seven of cups Mm reverse. So it's crossed by issues of fantasy and reality and confusion. He's got a a sense of a lack of purpose and this reflects poor choices and Mm -hmm. a life in disarray. So you've got, potential, enormous potential here that is stymied by this seven of cups reversed. So it's a guy who's got a natural gift for leadership. He can get other people to do work for him. He has a clear idea of what his goals and his agenda are. Um, it's a challenge, but an opportunity. So he had, he was born into a situation where he could have the power to do great things, but somehow got waylaid. His clarity and his values are overwhelmed by the fantasy and he can't move forward because of it. So in the atmosphere above all that is the Empress, which is a card about creativity and nurturing. A woman had a, a powerful impact on his life and influence lifelong. So I'm assuming that's his mother and yeah, it, it has to do with nurturing and love and stability or the lack thereof and uh perhaps just fantasies of women also this might reflect the fantasies he had of women that drove him to his crimes and at the foundation of his life what what do you think it might be see if you can guess just for fun i'm not going to fire the moon okay The moon. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Deception. Yeah. Deception, lying, fear, illusion, dreams and fantasies. The fantasies keep coming up over and over all through his cards. He had uh, issues of self-esteem, insecurity and anxiety and self-deception and deception of other people too. So uh, some feminine influence, some strong influence uh, and the lack of nurturing as a child uh, he had a need to connect with women, but this stability, instability, and a lack of self-esteem, and the fantasy-driven behavior—something went wrong. I mean, this is sort of an understatement. Something went wrong with his uh, ability to connect with women, and it was made worse by this foundation of the moon. Because this, this is a fantasy-driven reaction to his situation, insecurity fantasy just keeps uh, all over my my thing i wrote yes. down here is fantasy 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 so in his past is the 3 of cups reversed this is about cheating it's about disrupting a community and he really he got one of his neighbors almost arrested by the police for these break-ins he intentionally made it seem like it had to be this old man who lived next door to him and remember i said where he dumped the body was important he The day before they found the body, he came over to talk to the neighbor, which he'd never done before. And he said, oh, where are you going? And the neighbor said, well, I'm going hunting. He said, well, where do you like to hunt? They found her body in the place where the neighbor liked to hunt. What a fucker. Yeah, exactly. And the future for uh, when I talk about future in in the context of these criminal situations, I mean, what happened after the crimes or as a result of the crimes, we get the eight of cups reversed, which is this real issue of self-esteem, the fear of change. When you see his reaction to the realization that the jig is up, that's this eight of cups reversed personified. Uh, the trauma, this talks about the trauma of the disruption of all these families and his own family at home as a child uh, was important developmentally and led to what happened in his relationship with other women. He never felt grounded. He always felt rejected and drifting. And the example of losing his father's last name was really significant trauma for him. So this is this is he himself himself. The Emperor Reversed, which is about domination, excessive control, abuse of power, anger, and a lack of flexibility. They might as well just have written Russell Williams on this card <laughs> instead of the emperor, you know, and his environment. Uh, so this is this is him and the environment is the chariot which is about aggression and control and also something significant about killers like this is their need for movement constant travel and that's the kind of job he had he was always moving about and as a flyer too you know obviously just by definition uh, once again, this talks about instability, the need to feel godlike, the, the self-esteem issues, uh, extreme need for control and domination and uh, the abuse of his authority, like killing the woman that worked with him and others are regarding you as a leader. And yet you're betraying them. So the hopes and fears are the high priestess reversed uh, the sense of. Self-doubt, these are his fears, the keeping of secrets, the hidden agenda, the betrayal, definitely, and and the betrayal to women specifically. So the outcome I thought was really, really interesting. The outcome is the three of wands reversed. This is somebody who's clinging to the past. whose childhood was frustrating and caused him to lose direction, and he's stuck, stuck in his childhood, crossed by... The Hanged Man reversed, which is ego and resistance to change. So, yeah, that's not surprising. So somebody with a great deal of potential who got derailed early by fantasy and ego, all the result of traumas in his childhood. Uh, Born with certain propensities, but his environment certainly um, made them much worse. And he squandered his potential. He squandered his strengths and his ability as a leader and betrayed his strengths. And it was an essential part of his life path that he completely derailed by really scary fantasy Choices.
0: Yeah. I mean, just all that Pisces, is, that's, that's the Piscean thing is to be in a fantasy land to, to live, not in reality, you know, really? and having Jupiter around the sun exaggerates that makes him extraordinarily prone to living in his own
1: imagination. Yeah. Just. You know, what's so remarkable about it, Denise, when you see, there's plenty of opportunity on, on the internet to see him on video. in all sorts of circumstances, uh, talking, being interviewed at work with, with VIPs, you know, many, many opportunities to see him in his everyday life at work and at home and the banality of evil. I mean, he is just so ordinary. (laughs) It's just really scary to think about. Nobody had a, a clue.
0: Yeah. Well, he probably, like I said, tried to keep it together and channel it in a certain direction for a long time, which is maybe why, you know, he didn't seem so evil at first, you know what I'm saying? Or where he could get away with it. I mean, that guy, I don't know his name offhand, but the guy that just, the architect that was just caught, I found that was interesting that everyone described that guy. Rex, Rex somebody, somebody. yeah. 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 That everybody who was interviewed about him Said he was creepy and dark and they didn't like him and he was had a bad vibe and stuff. Everybody that I've seen interviewed, just random people. They'd walk to say, There's some woman who was interviewed as a neighbor said, when we, I've gone trick or treating down here. I just wouldn't want to go to that house because it was so creepy. People picked up on his shadowy, dark stuff. But with this guy, I don't know. I mean, and there are certain people that can sort of hide their shadow stuff. In this guy's case, I think the military and having, you know, being a productive and kind of that sort of keeping everything so tightly wrapped and everything like that, and being this ball of anxiety and kind of like, you know, people might have thought that that was why he seemed like an asshole. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. They
1: could. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was suited, he had the suited personality for that kind of very right. prescribed existence where there's a rule for everything and a protocol for everything. And we like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, when he was in college, his roommate said the very first day of college, when he moved into this four-person living arrangement, he wanted to um create a chore chart and assign chores to everybody. And, you know, you're talking about a bunch of, you know, freshman college students. They said they all looked at him like he was insane. Well, little did they know. Well, I mean, that's all that Virgo that I'm
0: talking about. That's that I didn't so much as say that, but that need for order, physical order, Mm -hmm. which is why he went into the military, but just having everything in its place. It's like an OCD kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like it went through this whole kind of, control of every, everything around him was the only way he could sort of abate this anxiety and all of these sort of, you know, all everything rattling around in him that was ready to break loose. So when that order got disrupted, all of that kind of, it broke, it broke the the band that kind of was trying to keep all that stuff in order. You know what I'm saying? I think that's you why could even everything.
1: see it when uh, in the the souvenirs that he kept. He had them all cataloged and organized. <laughs> all that
0: Virgo, yeah. That's just weird. That, yeah, all that Virgo. Yeah, very. Um, everything was at its proper place in his mind, and that's that's how he dealt with his anxiety and how he dealt with this his demons to keep them cataloged. Control. Yeah. Control. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, again, you know, I, I want to make the point that people can have difficult charts and make choices to not be like him. You don't have to be like him. You can have his exact same chart and choose to use that kind of stuff to go deeper into yourself, to do the work on yourself, to try to excavate whatever stuff you you're bringing with you from past lives your traumas from your childhood you don't have to indulge it you see what i'm well, saying no
1: it's, yeah, it yeah It's it's believed that you know you you reincarnate into a situation that presents you with the lessons you need to learn and you don't have to follow your free will you know you have free will i mean you do have to follow your free will you don't have to follow a particular path you have the ability to make a decision which direction you're mm-hmm. going to go we argue about this all the time.
0: <laughs> well, I think that there is
1: a map that you
0: come in with that prescribes your personality, your certain challenges you're going to have right. in your
1: life. How right. you react to those things is your choice. This is how I've heard it described. It's like a map and you've got, you're following a path that's prescribed for you, but you come to a divide in the road and it's that's your free will at work. You can choose which way. Eventually the outcome is the same, but the route Depends Certainly. on, well, what. I mean, well, that's no. true. You might go to heaven or you might go to hell, Denise. Right well, now. <laughs> I mean, you
0: know, you can devolve or you can evolve, right? So, right, if you can, right, right? so it's all dependent on your choices. But I mean, if you think about the old expression, I'm playing the hand I was dealt. That's what astrology is about. It's a hand you're dealt. You can either use a hand you're dealt to live an amazing life and, and deal with all this. You can use that internal conflict in different ways. Or you can let it overcome you and you can just go down, you know, do the worst version of every, make the worst choice you can make. Make the choice to take the easy way out. Or, or the choice that's the most self-indulgent or the most, um, the most, the least healthy, the most uh, selfish, the most greedy, the most, you know, the worst, you know, those five deadly or the seven deadly sins, you know, like greed or selfishness or avarice or if you choose or my particular favorite gluttony or gluttony if you always choose the path of you know of indulgence or selfishness you're devolving yourself you're not trying to use the situation to evolve you I mean he's got a very difficult chart he this isn't the first rodeo where he made up some mistakes and he did some bad things you know yeah. when you have an
1: brought Junction. a
0: lot uh, brought a lot of stuff with it with him, into this incarnation, yeah with yeah. him, and he had to, and his
1: choice was to work on it and to to get better. But he well, didn't. that's a pervasive argument, you know, for trying to do better in this lifetime because it's not going to go away. You're still going to have to yeah. deal with this yeah, you're just going to take it with you and do it again.
0: I think if people this is what I don't like about Christianity is that, um well, I don't think we have another two hours, Denise. I know. I know you're right. But (laughs) this is one of the cruxes of Christianity that you can just say you're sorry and everything goes away. But that's not how it works. Well, it that's not,
1: happen. that's not the version of Christianity that I necessarily was raised with either. You you can, you can confess and do penance and say, you're sorry, but you're still going to be judged at the, I mean, this is what I was taught. I'm not saying I believe this. You're still going to be judged at the end anyway. And you do get some brownie points for acknowledging the bad things that you did and for accepting responsibility and for doing penance, but that doesn't exonerate you, you know? I know the new version, the Christo fascist version. Well, the fundamentalist version is all you have to say is Jesus is my Lord and Savior. That's right, and you
0: get a free pass. It's basically like your Sam's card or your your Costco (laughs) card to heaven. As long as you paid your dues and you have that card on you,
1: you're good to go you can do anything. Well, you know, Constantine, the Emperor Constantine, Yes. his mother, of course, was St. Helen. And uh, she tried very hard to get him, the finder of the true cross, tried to get him to convert to Christianity his whole entire life. And he uh, took her up on the importance of Christianity by getting everybody else in the whole entire empire forced them to be Christian. But he didn't convert Till he was on his deathbed <laughs> oh, well, until he got that golden ticket yeah, <laughs> yeah golden ticket.
0: All you, you, i mean actually the idea of christ early on there is is as like a very different idea than what we have of him now which was that you know in the old greek and roman idea is that there's you know there's sort of a purgatory kind of space where everyone goes and you're judged right and then there's some people who go to the great place like. It's more like the Tibetan's idea of the gods and goddess place or whatever. But that you go to this place where, you know, if you're, if you did an amazing things in your life, you're kind of, you get a pass. And everyone else kind of goes to this sort of kind of low, low level kind of crappy astral plane place. And it's sort of a purgatory space. Even though Yeah, it's like, life-
1: it's like hell, but you're not in the presence of God
0: is how it's defined. Right. It's temporary. It's temporary. Not- it's temporary. Yeah. temporary but it's not real fun and you might you know you're going to come back and it's kind of shitty and jesus the whole idea of jesus was that he he came in there and as his death he went and emancipated all those people from that purgatory and that was sort of the idea that he was an emancipator on this spiritual level that was the original a lot of the original mm-hmm. ideas of christianity in its early inception it's not like that now but that was kind of what took hold in the Roman imagination and why they, as their empire was falling and crumbling around them and they felt persecuted and that they were losing their power, that he was going to emancipate them on the spiritual level. I think that's, Part of what, why you took yeah. off.
1: Well, yeah. what, what goes under the title of Christianity in these days would be unrecognizable to Jesus himself. You know what I always say, Denise, it's a very lucky thing that when Jesus died and they put him in the sepulcher, he came out and he rose into heaven body and soul because he'd be spinning in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think the same thing. Yeah, he would be old. <laughs> You would not be happy at all. Well, on that 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 bright note. note. (laughs) Yeah, that note. Well, everyone, thanks for listening to Psychics and Psychos. Oh, and I want to make a promise here. That's the last Canadian we're going to give a hard time to here for a while. (laughs) Okay.
0: All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, for watching. Um, Please like, subscribe, join, whatever. Let your friends know spread the word as this helps us to make these and it, it is incentivizing for us to continue to do it so blessings to all of you and salon de foil
1: salon de foil that's right <laughs> <took> the words,
0: <laughs> pardon me i took the words right out of your mouth right
1: out of my way. mouth <laughs> yeah
0: right everyone blessings to all have a great one